Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're currently walking verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just wanna make sure you're aware of a couple of things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way that we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. This is our second service of the morning, and I just feel led to say to you this morning before I begin that there just seems to be a unique manifestation of God's presence among us today. So here's what I would say to you about that. You're about to hear from the Word of God today if you sense God speaking to you today. Respond to Him. The Holy Spirit of God is not a water faucet that we turn off and on when we get ready to deal with. When God is moving, it's time for us to respond. And so just today, I just, I just felt led as your pastor, as your shepherd, to shepherd you today to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit of God. That may mean today that, that you're not a Christian. And you may sense today like you've never felt before that today I need to become a Christian. I need to become a follower of Jesus. Listen, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Respond. It may be that you're a Christian and you sense God doing something in your life in in the arena that we're about to talk about, about prayer. Or you sense God doing something in your life, needing to reconcile with a brother or sister in Christ. I believe God is moving today. If you sense him speaking to you, just respond. So so one more time, just, just bow your head. And I want you to just say, Lord... Just in your own heart, say, Lord, prepare my heart for whatever it is you want to say to me today. And God, give me the grace to respond to you. Lord, Apart from you, we can do nothing. Lord, every week there's such a great sense of inadequacy when you stand up here, either leading in music or leading in preaching. God, we just know that (laughs) we cannot do what needs to be done in this moment. But at the same time, God, we know that you can. And we trust you to speak today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Do you you have a junk drawer in your house? 
Uh, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? We all got one. It's like the drawer. Like if you can't find something, somebody will say, well, have you looked in the drawer, right? Because there's just this drawer in everybody's house that's the junk drawer. This, this, this is literally the junk drawer from my kitchen. I had to get my wife's permission to take this out of our house today. This is our junk drawer. I, I was looking through it this morning, and, and it's amazing the stuff that you collect in the junk drawer, right? I mean, like we have, everybody should have this. We have a roll of duct tape in the junk drawer, right? I mean, where I come from in Alabama, you can build anything or repair anything if you got enough duct tape, right? In my hometown, there are people drive around, their whole windshield is held on their car with duct tape. I know guys that take their boat out, and their boat has been repaired with duct tape. It's always good to have duct tape in your junk drawer. We have all kinds. We have, I don't know why we have it. We have sparklers. We could have a party this morning with sparklers if we wanted to. We, we, have, we have the candle lighting thing. I guess that's for the sparklers, right, just in case we need it. It, it even works. I didn't even know that. Come on. There you go. It works. We have, oh, everybody needs one of these. We have the world's largest clothespin, right? <laughs> I guess the only reason we kept it is because it says Bama on the side of it. Roll Tide, right? It's got, got Alabama on the side. I don't know why we keep this clothes. I don't know what we would even use this for. There's all kind of stuff. We have, a, uh, we have a Simon Says game in the junk drawer. I guess if we're just bored at some point, we can pull that out. We have all kinds of stuff. And I don't even know what this is, but it's in the junk drawer. I think it's a tape measure for sewing, but I don't think we do much sewing at our house, so I don't know why we have that. All kind of stuff in the junk drawer. Let me ask you another question. Thinking about the junk drawer. When somebody says to you, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? You know what I found that we often do? We have a prayer junk drawer. When somebody says, would you pray for me? We have these phrases that we run to that are in the prayer junk drawer, right? I mean, we don't want to say yes and then not pray for them, right? That's like the worst you could possibly do. I'll pray for you and then no. So, so we have these phrases, and I, I found in my own life, I've got these catchphrases in my prayer junk drawer that I run to when I need to find something to pray. Right? Here's an example one. God be with them. What does that really even mean, right? God, are we asking God to like, sit down beside them on the bench or we're asking God to just kind of hover closely. God be with them today. What does that mean? I don't know, but I, I use it. I run to my junk drawer and I, God be with them today. Here, here's another one. God help them. God help them. Well, here's one. God bless them. Here's one of my personal favorites. God watch over them. That's kind of creepy, right? I mean, what? Is that like He's like, like peeking around the corner to, or he's like, a, he's just kind of watching over us throughout the day. What is that at God watch over them? Here, here's my, my personal favorite, and I'll be honest with you, I have no idea what this even means. God, give them traveling mercies today. You can't find this in the Bible anywhere. But we pray it. If you've been a Christian for very long at all, you've thrown this one out there, right? Especially if somebody's getting on a boat, a plane, or a car, right? God, give them traveling mercies. No idea what that means, but I pray all of you have them on your way home today. 
traveling mercy. What, this, is the, this is the prayer junk drawer, right? We just go over and grab these phrases. Well, if, if you're visiting with us, we're studying straight through the letter of Ephesians in our Bible. And in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul gives us greater insight into how we can pray for one another. Now, don't misunderstand me. There's really nothing wrong with any of these things. <clears throat> like I said, I use these in my own life. But Paul gives us instruction as to how we can be better equipped to more specifically and strategically pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We started this series last weekend out of Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. If you have your Bible, I want you to open it to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 15 and continue this series that we're calling Praying with Purpose. Paul writes and he says, For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease. Paul talks to us here about continuously pray. He said, I do not cease to pray. And Pastor Travis last weekend unpacked that phrase that we're to continuously pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. But then he says, I don't cease giving thanks for you. We're to also, we're not just to pray continually, we're to pray gratefully. There should be a spirit of gratitude. One of the great gifts God's given us in the family of God is one another. We have one another as brothers and sisters in Christ to do life together. But then Paul says, I don't cease making mention of you in my prayers. It's a word that speaks to the desperation that we have for God when we cry out to him on behalf of each other. So we looked at verses 15 and 16 last weekend. Let's continue with verse 17. Paul says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, and now today, we're going to camp out pretty much on those two phrases. I really thought we were going to get a little further, but the 815 service listened too slowly, and I don't want you to get way ahead of them. So we're just going to camp out on those two phrases. But let's read the rest of the verse. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul is giving us language, and as we read on through the rest of this chapter, over the next three weekends, I'm going to give you some specific language right out of Scripture that you can put into your prayer junk drawer. You can put into your prayer arsenal to begin to pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ in heart, with the, in line with the will of God, because we're going to be praying back to Him the very Word of God. But I want us to focus this morning on something that Paul teaches us that we need to remember when we pray for one another. Now, there are a lot of ways to pray. We pray for ourselves. We pray for non-Christians. We pray for God's activity in the world. But this particular text is specifically dealing with how we pray for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I don't know about you, but I need my brothers and sisters in Christ praying for me. Amen? If you need people praying for you, say Amen. All right, so there we just invited all of us to pray for each other. Here's what Paul reminds us that we need to be thinking about when we pray. Number one, we should always remember the person to whom we pray. When we're praying, we should remember the person to whom we pray. 
Those two phrases that I highlighted a moment ago in verse 17, Paul uses to describe the one who is the object of our prayer. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Don't miss this. For the last few weeks, we've been in this chapter, and in verses 3 all the way through verse 14 of this chapter, Paul has been reminding us about who we are in Christ. Amen? We're chosen, we're adopted, we're accepted, we're forgiven, we're redeemed, we have an inheritance, all about who we are because of our position in Christ. Now Paul begins to teach us here in verses 15 to 17 that because of who we are in Christ, we have been invited into the very presence of God himself to pray. Wow. Think about that. You and I, because of Jesus, have access to the very presence of God himself. Here's what that means. You don't need anybody else. You don't need a priest. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a small group leader. You don't need a spiritual guru. Because of Jesus, you can this morning walk right into the very presence of God and have a conversation with him. Listen to the way the writer of Hebrews writes about it in Hebrews chapter 4. He says, therefore, let, what's the next word? Uh, Say that out loud. Uh, Who's us? Well, we don't have time to unpack it all, but Hebrews chapter 4 is a chapter all about the believer and the rest that we now have in Christ. So this word us is us. It's all of us believers all over the world in every generation. He's writing here about every Christian. So therefore, let's say it out loud, us. Do what? Draw near with what? Confidence. Let us as believers draw near with confidence. The word confidence is a compound word in the Greek language. It's two words that they put together to make one new word. The first half of this new word is the the word that means all or every. The second half of this word is a verb that means the act of speaking. You put it together and it means all or every act of speaking. It's talking about a freedom or a frankness in speech. He says, let us as believers draw near with confidence to where? The throne. The throne of grace. So that we may receive what? Mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That word confidence, here's what that means. It means there's nothing out of bounds. There's nothing off the table. There's no topic There's no conversation, there's no wound, there's no hurt that I cannot walk into the presence of God with. It's all on the table. It's all open for discussion. Because of Jesus, I can walk right into the very presence. I can walk into the throne room of the universe where God himself sits on the throne and there's nothing out of bounds for me to talk about. I was invited a few years ago to the Middle East. 
I was invited to a specific nation in the Middle East. And it's the first and only time in my life I've been invited to travel on what's called a diplomatic visa. Meaning I was invited to this nation by the government of this nation. They invited me and a small group of pastors and we got on an airplane in New York City and we flew on diplomatic visas all the way to this nation in the Middle East. And we were going there to meet with the government officials of a nation that was over 95% Muslim to ask the government's permission to allow us as Christian pastors to mobilize people to come in and serve the community. And we told them, we won't violate your laws. We won't preach in your streets. But when we serve your people and they say, why are you here? We'll tell them our Jesus story. And, and long story short, we got 100% government clearance. And for a number of years, our church mobilized hundreds of people to go in and serve in this Islamic nation and got to tell the Jesus story over and over and over and over and over again. Now, the reason I'm telling you that story is because the very first time on this first trip, we went on this diplomatic visa. We met with all the heads of state. We met with the governors of the largest governorates in the region. We met with the cabinet members from the presidential cabinet. We met with the president's wife. We met with the national director of security and intelligence, the one that was kicking missionaries out of the country. We met with them all. And before we got to sit down and meet with any of them, there was one guy on our trip who had been before us, and he kind of knew the ins and outs. And so he would get us in a huddle before every one of these meetings, and he would teach us protocol. Like, if you go in this meeting, do not say this. Whatever you do, don't bring up this topic. Whatever you do, don't talk about this. Or we go into another meeting. When we go into this meeting, then you need to know, you don't sit down until they sit down. And if they get up, then you need to get up so you're never sitting while they're standing. You just got to make sure that you're always doing the right thing. Or we go in another meeting. He'd say, if you're going to talk to this person, you never look at them. You only look at this person. If you're talking to this person, you never, you got to always stay focused over here because if you start looking over here, you're going to dishonor them. There was all these rules. And let me tell you what I wound up feeling. The exact opposite of confidence. I was terrified. I'm thinking, man, I'm going to start World War III with one simple word out of my mouth. There's going to be an international crisis in the Middle East. They're going to dig down to the bottom, and some dude from Alabama is going to have created this mess. But because of Jesus, there's no protocol. You can walk right into the, listen, you don't have to perform. You don't have to put on your best clothes. You don't have to nod just right. You don't have to say, you can walk right into the presence of God and you can pour out anything on your heart to him. That's the position we have in Christ. It's the kind of confidence that a little child feels running into the presence of their father. <laughs> you know, little kids, they'll just jump up in your lap as dad, and they'll just say anything, right? I remember my kids, they'll jump up in your lap, run, they'll just jump up in your lap, and after about two seconds, like, Dad, your breath smells terrible. <laughs> no feel. Now, we may think that today, but we're not going to say it, right? You're not going to walk up to somebody and greet them on Sunday morning, hey, it's good to see you. Man, your breath smells terrible, right? No, why? Because we don't have that kind of confidence. Here's what the scripture says. Because of Jesus, Paul says, man, I'm praying to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, and I can walk right into his presence. Nothing's too big. Nothing's too small. 
And remember, that's true in all of our prayer life. But it's specifically true, as Paul is talking today, about our praying for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Meaning there's nothing out of bounds. You can take anything to the Father on behalf of one of your brothers and sisters in Christ. And as Paul is writing this, those two phrases really speak to two different sides of this coin. Here's the first one. There is nothing I can pray that is too big for God. That's the first phrase. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing too big for God. Aren't you thankful today that you have access into the very presence of God and there's nothing too big for him to get involved in? There's nothing outside the scope of his power. Paul uses the word God here. The word God here, we read it in scriptures, it's the Greek word theos, but it was borrowed from everyday Greek culture. The Greek culture was a polytheistic culture. They believed in many gods. And so they would say there were many gods. And so they would talk about the theos, a theos, a God. But it's important here to note that Paul does not refer us to a God. He says, as I pray today and as you pray today, we are praying to the definite article, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we have access into the very throne room of God, we're not walking into the throne room of one of many gods. We're walking into the throne room of the God of all God, the one true and living God. Jehovah himself. We have access into the presence of God. This word God here is used in the New Testament and he answers often to the Old Testament name Elohim. You'll see it quoted throughout the New Testament from the Old Testament scriptures. Elohim. It's the, it's the word for God in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The word Elohim is a word that comes from a root word that means might or strength or power. You could literally translate it the strong one, meaning there is nothing too big for God. Whatever is on your heart today, whatever burden you are carrying for a brother or sister in Christ, maybe it's a child who is far from God. Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's someone in your small group and they just need God in a big way. Listen, here's what you can know. The God that you are praying to, nothing is too big for him. Let me tell you how big he is. I want you to use your imagination with me this morning, all right? We're going to imagine that we are all sitting on a spaceship that's about to shoot out into outer space, all right? So we're about to travel fast. As a matter of fact, we're about to travel at the speed of 150,000 miles per hour. Now, I know some of you came to church this morning and you were moving pretty good to get here. But nobody even got close to 150,000 miles per hour. So, so, so put your seatbelt on this morning because we're on a spaceship. We're about to shoot 150,000 miles an hour out into outer space. 150,000 miles per hour is actually the fastest we've ever shot anything into outer space. Helios 2 was an unmanned spacecraft shot by NASA into outer space in 1976. It's the fastest thing we've ever sent into outer space 150,000 miles per hour. So we're about to do that. We're all on it. If, if you're with me, if you use your imagination, say amen. All right, so here we go. Traveling at 150,000 miles per hour, which we're doing right now, 
Do you know how long it's going to take us to get to star number one? I'm not talking about the last star. As a matter of fact, we don't even know where that is. With all the technology and telescopes we can build, we don't have a clue. We can't find the last star because we can't yet see that far. We don't know where it is. I'm just saying, if we're traveling 150,000 miles per hour, how long is it going to take us to get to star number one? Like when you go outside tonight and you look up at the stars, the very first star you see, you know how long it's going to take us? The, the very first star you see is called Alpha Centauri, and it is approximately located 24 trillion miles from planet Earth. Here's what that means. Traveling 150,000 miles per hour, we're going to all get to star number one in just over 18,000 years. Here's what that means. We're going to be sitting beside each other 18,000 years enjoying the journey. We're going to get to Alpha Centauri and in that moment of celebration all go one because that's the first one. And we'll continue on through our journey in the outer space. And it'll ultimately get to two and three. And did you know that scientists tell us that there are hundreds of millions of stars in our galaxy? The Milky Way. And that there are billions and billions and billions of galaxies. And it takes us 18,000 years just to get the number one. Listen to what the Bible says about our God. Look at it in Isaiah chapter 40 on the screen. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number, he calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing he's not a god he is the god who spoke everything we can see taste touch feel or smell into existence and because of jesus he says he's the god of our lord jesus christ because of our position in christ we have been invited into the very presence of god himself there's nothing too big for god d.a carson writes about it this way look at this quote Carson says the first expression, talking about this, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the first expression reminds us that we, that the one to whom we pray has supremely disclosed himself to us in his son, Jesus Christ, Jesus our Lord. All of God's blessings are mediated through his son. More, all of God's new covenant blessings have already been secured for us by his son. So that to pray in Jesus' name or to address God as the Father of Jesus Christ is to recognize the ground on which God answers such requests, Jesus himself. Because of our position in Jesus, we have access into the very presence of God and nothing is too big for God. This week I was talking to uh, someone in our church. And this person in our church had a big burden on their heart for a fellow Christian that they've known for years. They even were a part of discipling this Christian at one point. And now this Christian is living a life that is very far from God. 
And this person in our church that I was talking to was grieving over how far from God. And it just seemed impossible with where they are today that they could ever be made right with God. But here's what I want you to hear me say. There is nothing too big for God. There are some of you here today and you have a child a child that is so far from God. There was a day in their life when they loved Jesus and now you see them and they're so far from God and it seems impossible. But listen, he is the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can walk into his presence and know that nothing is too big for our God. For some of you, it's your spouse. Your spouse is far from God. For some of you, it's a, a neighbor or a family member or a friend or a coworker. They're Christians, but they're so far from God. They need God in a big way. Here's what you can know. There's nothing too big for God. J. Oswald Sanders said this. He said, nothing of eternal significance ever happens apart from prayer. The reason this quote is true is because nothing of eternal significance ever happens apart from God. And prayer is talking with God. You ever heard anybody say, oh, there's power in prayer? Do you know what's not true? There's not power in prayer. There's power in the one to whom we pray. You see, the power is not in my prayer. The power is not in your prayer. The power is not in our prayer. The power is in the one to whom we pray. And the one to whom we pray is the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have access into his very presence. So here's what we're going to do, okay? I'm not finished yet, so don't close your stuff up, all right? Don't, don't, don't start putting your things away. As soon as we start praying, man, some people, they get there, I'm getting to that car as soon as I can. We're not there yet, all right? But, but we're about to stop and pray for a minute. I want us to apply what we're learning right now. So I want everybody in the building to just bow your head. What fellow Christian is on your heart today that needs God to show up in their life in a big way. Maybe it's because they're far from God. Maybe they need a touch from God. Maybe they need healing from God. But what Christian has the Holy Spirit put on your heart, fellow brother or sister in Christ, that needs God to show up in a big way? I want you to start praying for them right now. And listen, this is serious. Maybe the most important thing we'll do all morning, we're doing right now. We're going into the presence of the one who has the power to change. And here's the way I want you to approach him. God, on the basis of Jesus, because of who I am in Christ, I come into your presence on behalf of, and you just say the name there in your heart, and I want you to pray for them right now. Listen, do it with confidence, with confidence, you can go into his presence 
as you're praying for a brother or sister in Christ right now that needs God in a big way, I'm going to ask a few people right here on the front row to help me pray. We have a sister in Christ here today who is our missionary in Zambia, Africa. Stephanie Martino said, listen, she left everything in America, her job, her career, her family. She's moved to Zambia, joining in God's activity over there. She's back visiting today. I want a few of you right here on the front row just to get around Stephanie and just lay hands on her. And while you're praying for the people that are on your heart, I want some of you to start praying for Stephanie right now. Just pray for God to move in a big way in her life. And the rest of you all over the building right now, pray for God to move in Stephanie Martino's life in a big way, to do what only God can do. Now I want you to start thanking God for what he's going to do in response to what you're asking him. Thank him, praise him, worship him. Lord, we bless your name today. We thank you for what you're going to do. We ask you to move in big ways. And we look forward to hearing the stories of your activity. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. The name of Jesus we pray. Say that out loud with me. The name of Jesus we pray. Let's all say it together. Amen. Amen. There's a second thing I want you to see in these verses before we're done. Not only is there nothing too big for God, but here's the second thing. There is nothing I can pray that is too insignificant for God. The word insignificant, if you look it up in a dictionary, means too small or unimportant to be worth consideration. Sometimes I think we think that God is only available to us for the really big stuff. We don't think that he's interested in the small details, the little things in our lives. But the scripture here doesn't only say that he's the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, but the Bible also says he's the Father of glory. Meaning you could literally translate it, I think, better this way. He is the glorious Father. The word glory means one possessing infinite perfections. Here's what that means today. As you sit here, he is not just your Father. He is your perfect Father. Now, understand when you use the word father, for a lot of people, that's not necessarily a good thing. We all have different illustrations and backgrounds and contexts when it comes to our father. Some in the room today had a very good father and a good relationship with your dad. That's, that's me. I had a great relationship with my dad. My dad was not a perfect man, but he was the same imperfect man at church and at home. He was consistently imperfect. And so because of that, he lived a life of authenticity and genuineness before me. So my relationship to my dad's a good relationship. But I know that I have brothers and sisters here today who didn't grow up with a good father. Maybe you grew up in a not-so-good situation with a father. Or maybe you grew up in a situation where your father wasn't even present at all. Here's what I want you to hear me say today. It doesn't matter what your personal experience is. Here's what I know is true about you today. In Christ, you now have God as your perfect father. He'll never fail you. He'll never let you down. He'll never disappoint you. He is your father. And because he's your father, listen what the scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 5. The scripture says you can cast all your anxiety on him because, read this out loud, he cares. Say that again. He what? 
Did you hear that? God, the God who sits on the throne of the universe because of Jesus is now your perfect father and he cares for you. So much so that you can pour out your anxiety on him. The word anxiety here is a Greek word that means anything that brings disruption to the mind. It doesn't matter how big or small it is. If it, if it distracts me, if it, if it causes me this, to be uneasy, I can go to God with everything. Why? Because he's my father. Let me read it to you how Jesus talked about this. And we'll, we'll close with this passage of scripture. Matthew chapter 7. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 7. Ask. Ask. What's the first word? You know what it means? Ask. And it will be what? Given to you. Seek. And you will find. Knock. And it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and him who knocks, it will be open. What's the basis for this statement? How could he say, this is Jesus himself. Well, he gives us an illustration. Look at verse 9. Or what man among you, what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Here's what Jesus says. You're not perfect dads. And being an imperfect dad. Even me in my imperfection and my sinfulness. When my son asks me for a roll, I'm not going to give him a rock. Right? Why? Because even an imperfect dad wouldn't do that. Look what he goes on to say. Verse 10. Or, or if he asks for a fish, he'll not give him a snake, will he? What kind of dad is that? Verse 11. If you then being evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more? Say those three words out loud. How much more? Say it one more time. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask of him? Listen, when you and I pray, specifically when we pray for others, here's what you need to remember. There is nothing too big for God. Nothing's out of bounds. Nothing's off the table. Nothing's outside of his reach. But secondly, there's nothing too insignificant for God. You can stand in the gap for your brothers and sisters in Christ with confidence. Let's pray together today. Father, we come before you and we thank you that you are God and that you are our Father. And Lord, this morning we want to practice what we're seeing and hearing from your word As you sit quietly before the Lord, in just a moment, we're going to stand together and we're going to sing a song of worship. We're going to respond to what we've heard from God today. But a big part of what we're about to do is we're about to pray. We're going to cry out to God together. 
These altars are going to be open. We have pastors that are going to be here at the front. As God moves you today, maybe you feel led to come get in one of these altars and pray for a believer that needs God to show up in a big way. Maybe today you're the believer that needs someone to pray for them and you want to just come and have one of our pastors pray over you about something in your job, your health, your family, a relationship, your walk with God. Whatever it is, we're here. We'd be honored to pray for you today. Before we do that, I also know that in a room like this, there are some of you here today that you've never become a Christian. You you don't know what it means to be forgiven of your sin by God. To have a right relationship with God through Jesus. And today when we stand to sing in just a moment. We have our pastors here at the front. If you don't know God today through Jesus. If you've never been born again. Into relationship with God. I'm going to invite you to slip out from where you're going to be standing. And just come to one of these pastors today. And all you need to say is this. I need Jesus. And listen where we started today. If you sense the spirit of God moving in your life. You need to respond today. These altars are open. Our pastors are here. As God speaks to you, you respond. If you're not a Christian today and you want to know what it means to be forgiven, to have a relationship with God, when we stand to sing, listen, you don't have to wait on anybody else. You just come to one of our pastors and say, I need Jesus. And we'll have somebody sit down and open a Bible and show you how you can be made right with God. Lord, today we ask you to have your way among us. Move among us. Lord, be glorified in this place. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.